Hi. Sup. All right. We're live. Let's do this. Excited? Totally. Let's do this. Cool, cool, cool. cool. So, just in case anyone else decides to listen, do you want to tell the world what this is about? No, I think you should go for it. Okay. So, uh, we're both immigrants from India, currently in the US, uh, and we'd like to add our voices to all of the cultural debate and shithousery that's going on because we feel like there's a lot to process right now and like we don't agree with everything and so we feel like this is the time to put our views out there in the world and if maybe connect with like-minded people and just make our voices heard. Of course, we don't want to get cancelled because that's quite the thing now. So we're doing this under an anonymous podcast and we'll go by the names Hansel and Gretel for the duration of this podcast. Unless we become really, really famous and Spotify wants to offer us a one hundred million dollar contract, in which case we'll be making ourselves public. Yeah. Beyond that point, there's no cancelling. So that's... Yes. Yeah. So that's this is going to be anonymous right. until we become like uncancellable. Like I just saw on Twitter today. Joe Rogan that, level uncancellable or Joe Rogan level uncancellable. Precisely, like uh, uncancellable is like the status symbol to accomplish today. Like that's, oh man, that's seriously, seriously, it's the new Kardashian. It's like the new, new standard to live up to. It is. It is. I mean, like, damn, those are goals. Anyway, so let's get rolling. Do you wanna? Do you wanna list your? the modern day resume, i.e. your privileges. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's the way of starting a new interaction with another human being. Um, so, yes, I am from India, born and brought up in India. So, I guess some of the privileges I've had, the dominant one is that I'm a fair-skinned Indian girl. And that had its pros and cons, but can't deny it didn't have pros. Um, I had two parents. <laughs> I had two parents. I mean, biologically, that's how it works. Here. I'm honest here. I mean, Indians are as racist as most people in the world, probably even more. So yeah, my I, I did, I did was benefit from it. Sorry? My own grandmother was racist to me. Yeah, I don't think they know what racism is, but they are racist. Oh, they know. And but whatever. I don't think my parents know what racism is. But, um, I mean, they haven't heard the word racism as much. Only after Trump got elected, they did. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm like totally off track. But yeah, so fair skin privilege. It could be called as white privilege in India, I guess. And I had... or Let's I just had, call it fair and lovely privilege in India. Yeah, hashtag fair and lovely privilege. Um, I, my parents were really, um, supportive of me pursuing a good education. So I would say that's a privilege I've had is I've had the honor to study in really good universities, both in undergrad and my time in the U S. So I would say that does put me in a privileged situation, but besides that, not really. I mean, I'm a woman, I'm a person of color. So, I mean, I clearly know I'm winning this game with you. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's your turn now. Okay, so um, cis heteronormative privileges apply as far as brown dudes go. I guess in India more so than out here. Oh, hey, we forgot. Upper caste, Brahmin. Oh, right, right. right. privilege. I forgot that. Oh, yes. Apologies, apologies. Uh, If anyone wants reparations, you can Venmo us. We'll set up a Venmo cancel Gretel at some point. Yeah, 
once we go like Joe Joe Rogan level famous, we will be reimbursing you for your when more information requests. So totally, keep that totally. in the back of your mind. Uh, totally. We do honor our promises. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, we talked totally. about the upper caste privilege. We should have a totally separate session to talk about that because yes. one of the fondest compliments I've ever received in my life. is being called a savarna feminist who licks the ass of their white colonial masters and this, this and these endearing words ring in my ring close to my heart even today so yeah we should have a separate session on that someday isn't savarna bronze or something isn't it some color of its own i think it's upper caste it's code word for upper caste maybe it means gold i don't know Oh, okay. Whatever. What else? Yeah. So that's who we are. Um, we just. Oh man, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but yeah, we just want to make our voices heard, and uh, it's not like we're oppressed or anything. But in fact, we're the opposite of oppressed, and that's that's what we want to bring out. Like we're both immigrants, both as much as I hate to say this, we're both people of color in the US, and. I I don't feel oppressed and I don't do you. So yeah, that's a yeah. We we could go into hours talking about this. This is gonna be like very disappointing to other people of color who are listening to this and yeah. feeling offended. But our experience in the US has been, unfortunately or fortunately, one of the stereotypical immigrant who comes here to pursue the American dream. And I would say we both even made it so far as whatever that means to us. So mm-hmm. yeah, so like as a woman, I'm constantly being told during my PhD and during my postdoc that academia is sexist, academia is systemically racist. But maybe I got lucky, but I never had any experience of sexism or racism in the academia. In fact, it's it's so brutally meritocratic that often I felt like I was not even being treated as a human. Like I was just seen as a data machine, and I loved and hated it because. I felt invisible, and I was only like judged for my productivity. I sound like a really alien robot creature right now, but yeah, like that was my experience. So there was no discrimination or weird remarks or even microaggressions or anything based on my skin color or my gender slash biological sex. Uh, yeah, same with me. I feel like uh, I mean there have been biases and people that have had. I mean, people that have displayed certain prejudices, but I don't think that that was born out of a systemic cause. I feel like that has to do with me being new to the country, me being—I don't know the ways of the world in America. I mean, for example, I was standing in back when flying was a thing. I was standing in those PSA where you had to put your hands up and stuff, and my pants were slipping because whatever, and the. TSA agent was like, "Urkel it up, urkel it up," and I had no clue what that reference. What was. the f does that mean? I have no clue. So basically, there was this old American show on which there's a character called Steve Urkel, and I think he wore his pants up really high. So this guy was <laughs> basically telling me to pull up my pants, but he said, "Urkel it up," and I obviously didn't know what that meant. I mean, if it was a friends or how I met your mother or scrubs reference, I would have gotten it. But yeah, whatever. So I mean, yeah, and obviously, I mean, if I had like further conversations with him, he would have been like, eh, "This guy didn't get me," blah blah blah, and there would have been some distance because of that. I feel like it's 
a lack of cultural overlap than it is any sort of systemic bias and that's what we really want to talk about and if you feel like that's something you'd like to listen to please stay engaged if not and if you if you'd rather we talk about chimps and dmp just write to us or should we plug our social media handles i mean we just have yes, twitter handles. yeah yeah twitter yeah add on twitter Uh, actually, your voice faded away for a second. Can you say oh, that again? Sorry, uh, we are at Cancel Gretel on Twitter. Uh, and uh, if you want to write to us, uh, criticize us in long form, you can write to us at cancel at gretel at gmail dot com. Perfect. Perfect. You want to be on Parler? No, definitely not. I don't. I don't want to deal with those maga people on Parler, please. Okay. okay. So I'm just okay. to be clear, we aren't like. Conservatives, we're like op- equal opportunity offenders. Yeah. So um, I just wanted Fuck to add anyone. a couple of things. Yeah, I just wanted to add a couple of things to what Gretel was saying earlier. Is um, so one of the reasons why um, we really wanted to do this podcast is that, like he, uh, like he said, we have been immigrants in the U.S. and we have experienced a reality of what this country represents, and we can't really relate to the narratives that are. mainstream right now and earlier we i mean we've been noticing this for many years now and been talking about it with each other but the reason we had to make this podcast right now is that we got sick of it and we feel super suffocated just not being able to express our opinions anywhere outside the safe space that is our chat bo- uh, chat box or this podcast um so that was the main reason we feel like we just want to rant about some of our views here and some mm-hmm. of it like like you said we are not conservatives necessarily we are not lefties either i mean we are lefty on some issues conservative on others i'm sure many of you would find our political leanings weird or messed up it doesn't matter the point is we just wanted to ramble about some of our thoughts and experiences uh on these cultural issues in this country and the reason especially that we decided to make this podcast today is something that was that recently happened on twitter in the last one or two days is um this new letter got published in harper letters or harper mm-hmm. magazine yeah so this new letter was signed by 150 to 170 um scholars writers historians journalists and some miscellaneous podcast people as well um the letter was about supporting freedom to express yourself and also supporting justice and it was anti censorship and it was a very vague and sweet letter that was extremely harmless and anybody reading it would think oh this is this is like the most obvious thing of course i support uh-huh. it and so when i saw that and i just scrolled down to see who all have signed it i was just stunned to see so many people have signed this like this i just breathed in relief in my tiny ass apartment on the east coast that wow i'm not alone these people also feel suffocated that's great to know and the worst part was these people are like pretty established a lot of mm-hmm. the people are established and yet they chose to write this letter because they are feeling the pressure despite being in a reputable place in their career and so it was super relatable to me what what do you think gretel absolutely and i think that's another reason why we're doing this because if you look at the names that have signed on to that letter 
like you said, they're already established. There is a establishment, and then there is an anti-establishment that's railing against it, and both of them, in their own ways, are quite well-founded and famous and all of that. And we are rank outsiders. We are fucking nobodies, and. like you said we do have a lot more at risk because no one's going to stand up for us if someone come doxes us and shit so yeah this knowing all of that we're still putting our voices out there albeit anonymously yeah also just in case anyone's confused uh my friend is woke af and did not know which gender hansel and gretel were and therefore went <laughs> for herself and <laughs> by process of elimination i became grateful so yeah <laughs> no it's not that i'm woke i just didn't remember whether hansel was the brother or the sister um it's but cool. i wonder yeah i mean you don't see gender here yeah exactly i just wanted to make it a very inclusive and open environment for us to have a conversation so yeah like that that letter i mean i saw lots of posts on twitter saying oh my god these people are just like this is not the most pressing issue right now these people are just talking about censorship and cancelling when none of it is real but i i just wanted to you know go out and say that no it is important it does matter it's not as important as police brutality or the covid-19 pandemic or mm-hmm. trump's immigration regulations but it's important if a normal person like you or me is not able to express their views in this in supposedly the freest country ever right mm-hmm. and so reading such a letter actually makes me feel that i'm not alone and now i have 150 people i could write to if ever i got in a situation where i was unfairly cancelled so mm-hmm. i just feel good knowing that other people also feel this way and i'm not alone because lately in my work environment ever since i started this new job i've been exposed to only one one type of thinking and an echo chamber of narratives and ideologies that it's mm-hmm. become extremely suffocating to contribute to the conversation i i have memorized a bunch of sentences that i keep churning out it's like a you know sentence generator i just have to press a button and the correct sentence will come out of my mouth and that's how i deal with these conversations at work and i'm it's it's exhausting so yeah like it's suffocating it's it's really fucking suffocating and honestly anyone who says cancel culture does not exist is gaslighting totally yes it's, like it's, it it does exist okay so this there's more nuance to it than saying cancel culture exists or doesn't exist i feel like a very very small fraction of the population makes that noise but it has consequences so you're familiar with the pareto 8020 rule and all of that where 20 80% of something comes from just 20% of it blah blah mm-hmm. blah mm-hmm. so like 80% of all the noise on twitter comes from 20% of people so yeah. it is mathematically equivalent and hat tip to nasim taleb here it's mathematically equivalent to say that 50% of noise on twitter comes from 1% of the crowd potentially yeah, yeah. it's a and it's a small population it's, it's a, very fierce and and they know, have like an outsized healthy. influence they have a really outsized influence and that is what we are trying to push back against i mean in our own tiny little way but yeah 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 and another thing 
uh, Gretel that bothers me is that a lot of this activism and noise on social media, it's all generalized, always saying as a person of color, as a, as a female person Absolutely. of color. There's these generalizations and narratives that are just taken as truth. And who are these person of colors? And where do they get this opinion that a person of color population will think only a certain way? So that's another thing we want to address in this podcast is we want to talk about our views as individuals. We don't stand with a certain group. I mean, I said I'm fair, I'm like fair and lovely privileged, right? Uh, how am I a person of color then? I'm a person of white color. What the hell does person of color even mean? Mm-hmm. This is just, I don't, I don't relate to this. I don't yeah. want, like I, the only situation where I use person of color is when I want to establish moral authority and shut down a white person telling me that I'm oppressed. And then I'm like, oh, as a person of color, actually you're wrong. I'm not, I'm not being oppressed by cis white men in my life or whatever. So otherwise these terms are pretty meaningless and, and maybe like, I don't know, from a sociological point of view, they help with analyses, but it's unfair that there are already assumptions about how all people of color are supposed to think and they're supposed to band together and have the same kind of ideology and And that's that's another thing we need like we want to break precisely and i mean i mean look at terry cruz man the guy i love the guy and he is saying the most sensible stuff you can imagine he's literally advocating for equality and to my mind he is echoing or paraphrasing what martin luther king said but He's getting pushed back and like he's getting, he's being called a race traitor for all intents and purposes. Oh yeah, he's been called a coon and whatnot. I I, I saw him replying to some of those and he's not backing down. That's the good thing. That, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Which but again, that's because he's uncancelable. He's uncancelable. He can afford to do that. He is uncancelable, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine may not be. So yeah, that sucks. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's such a great show. I would miss that show. I know. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, imagine The Office being made today. It's like... It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's, it's such impossible. a joke. It I would never happen. Yesterday and like, there is no way that show is getting made today. There is no way. Like that season one, episode one, scene one and the whole show would be cancelled. That's it. Like just Both. the scene, Michael Scott steps in and utters the first sentence, the show would be cancelled. And that's why I love the show so much. And, um, and that's what, right? I mean, the world we are headed to right now is just it's it's Marxo-fascism if I can invent a phrase I mean yeah we are, we are probably exaggerating here but at least to us it feels this way and mm-hmm. again like we have happy fulfilling lives it's not like oh, we absolutely. obsess about this 24-7 this is not like a huge part of our life and we are not being oppressed by this either but it is a the it is a. Um, we like basically don't want to be the. We don't want to be like you know those. You know that uh, very famous quote from the Nazi Germany, where a guy says, first they came for the Jews, and I didn't say anything, and then they came for another group, oh, yeah. and another group, and then they came for me, and no one was there to stand. Yeah, that's that's basically what we're trying to do. We're trying to get in on this as early as possible, and yeah, and this- Martin Niemöller. Niemöller. Sorry, First they that? came for the socialists, then maybe, they came for the Jews, and I did not speak up. Then I, they came I, for me, and there was no one left to speak up. Yeah, yeah, is. and yeah, exactly. That's yeah, definitely so on point. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. Um, so 
Yeah. So I, I think so. It's interesting that you said that everyone gets seen as a group, and that was very surprising to me when I first came to the US because I had always heard of America as a highly individualistic society, and I see that I see that in my day-to-day life and interactions where it's a lot more. people are on their own as compared to india but i i get i guess in the secure hypothesis a speculation is that a lot of liberal or leftist thought in the us today is course correcting against that individualistic streak in their society and they've sort of gone overboard and exclusively see everyone as tribes like we are indians and or un, people of color under a larger umbrella and we are supposed to be or behave or think in a certain way and people are surprised when we don't yeah totally and and the the thing that they are trying to fight individualism surprise surprise but i am an immigrant and i love individualism i love that about america like that's one of the most redeeming qualities about mm-hmm. america and my eyes that india has failed to do so is that it worships the individual and and i have experienced that through my phd because a phd not a surprise to anyone is the loneliest fuck journey where you are literally an individual all by yourself slogging along for 5 to 6 years and then hopefully it, it reaps some rewards so i grew as an individual i learned to stand up on my own feet i built my competence i achieved something great i published papers and i was appreciated and recognized for all of this and for my efforts that is like the height of individualism to me is realizing my potential and the us has such amazing systems and structures to help every human achieve that and i am not saying that everybody has an equal footing in the game i mean we are coming from a third world country and we know the struggles that not everybody has an equal shot here but this is the best society for you to become successful as far as i know so i firstly i object to liberals trying to band us together into groups i mean we all have our group identities too it it is a part of our life it is a part of our upbringing so it's not like i'm i'm very desi it's always going to be a part of me but it's just that i explain what desi is oh yeah desi is just um desi literally means general term or pakistan or south asia yeah. indian continent yeah it can even refer to pakistan i guess so yeah, yeah indian subcontinent but yeah i'm super desi and i'm proud of it but it's just that i want to be um assessed as myself not as a part of a community or representing people of color or representing women so yeah i mean it's great that i am a woman and i am a part of these women scientists who are amazing oh yeah we should tell we should tell people who we are also like besides being hansel and gretel a little bit about where we work and what our working environment is like as well sure did i like totally switch topics like crazy no that's fine that's fine it's you want to start you are the more accomplished one amongst us accomplished on paper only doesn't mean shit in real life but um yeah so i am approaching the age of 30 unfortunately but um as i mentioned i'm from india and i am a cancer biologist so i did my undergraduate in biology in india in a pretty amazing institute this is where i met gretel as well and then i moved to the us 
seven years ago to do my PhD, and I successfully completed my PhD last year. And since then, I've been doing a postdoc on the East Coast in a new lab. So it's just been a few months, and then the whole COVID pandemic uh, started. So I'm still settling in to my new job, but that's about me. And yeah, so since I'm on the East Coast, as well as my PhD institution, it's highly um, liberal. minded because scientists generally tend to be liberal um and in my phd i never got exposed to politics as much but on the east coast especially with what all has been happening now the tragic death of george floyd things have gotten pretty heated up where i have been forced to participate in discussions that where i was not i would it would not be okay if i had expressed my silence is complicity Yes, so that is what happened. A lab mate. So that that was another trigger for me to make this podcast with Gretel. Is we had a very disturbing and eye-opening lab meeting after the whole George Floyd thing about BLM and police brutality, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Like we do need to have these conversations, and I've been reading more about this, and it's very dif- difficult for immigrants to understand police brutality because we don't have the background for this at all. But uh, suddenly, it turned into this conversation about systemic racism uh, in academia. So within a day or two, police brutality totally switched to systemic racism. And I know that you know systemic problems can pervade every system. So that was the connection point. But suddenly, it went into that. It went into affirmative action. And in our lab meeting, we had to talk about how systemic. uh like how academia is systemically sexist and racist and i and my pi uh, pi means my boss so my boss emailed all of us saying oh whoever uh, wants to talk about your experiences please do email me we'll set up a time slot for you and so i emailed him saying i don't want to talk and i had like a bunch of woke garbage written up in my email saying that oh i don't want to take away from voices of truly oppressed people i honestly haven't experienced oppression as much i've just been fortunate and i understand that speaking this would be problematic and take away from their pains and struggles so i would rather be silent so this is what i emailed but next day my lab mate texts on the group saying silence is complicity even if you don't think you have the right thing to say please say something so i felt very pressured then to talk because what if i just said what i felt and that would that would just backfire right and mm-hmm. i'm not even given an option to be quiet like I, i was polite enough to say that i'll listen to the conversation i want to learn about this but even that is not allowed so that that and then we had like a really intense lab meeting discussion where literally nothing came out of it a bunch of us just talked about some experiences we had and those experiences was were really harrowing i totally agree like these are really painful stories to hear including one of mine but that doesn't change anything like at the end of the day we didn't have any policy suggestions any proof or you know i mean although my boss did show some data uh, that there is some systemic barriers for minorities and women in academia but there was no solution in sight at the end of a 3 hour emotional discussion what are the systemic barriers that that will be a separate episode okay i think because i need i'm planning to like read up a couple of papers that my boss had presented and go into the methodology and i have a lot of things to say about sexism at least in academia so yeah we should have a separate episode on that sorry i was rambling for so long i forgot i even forgot what you asked me but yeah that's my background and this lab meeting where we were forced to talk about this issue and i don't want to use the word forced in a way like i was oppressed or anything 
but it's just i felt very suffocated because for once i was not allowed to be silent all these years i was just drowning my disagreement and swallowing it like a bitter pill because i didn't want to offend anyone but now i was not even given an option to do that so that's what like pushed me over the edge and made me reach out to you saying let's just do this podcast it's so a yeah, little now that we're both babbling on a podcast that we're complaining about not being allowed to stay silent but yeah that's the world we live in yeah yeah so that's my background why don't awesome. you ta- tell people about yourself sure bit? so um we went to the same like we were we both friends from undergrad so we know each other for a, about 11 years now which is a third of our lives sounds freaky to say that so sweet yes and uh, i worked in india before moving to the us for my uh, mba and i am back to working now um, i've been in the us fewer years than uh, hansel has been um and that's something that we should really talk about i mean you've been here since what 2013 so you've sort of seen that the whole trumpism and that election and i'd love to understand what changes you've seen and whether you've been able to perceive any change at all because i've had friends that were here like in 2014 15 or like pre trump and pre 2016 election and who came more recently and they like do things have changed so i want to know if that's been your experience and has like politics really pervaded american life as much as we think based on our time spent on twitter so yeah that's uh, that's about me uh, i am on the west coast but but i want to know about where you were during your mba because i feel like that's a fertile breeding ground for all right uh, sure sure so i was at a pretty pretty liberal institute um an ivy league because i want to brag about my friend thanks i was trying to keep it to a minimum but sure uh there yeah. are a bunch of them aren't all the ivs on the east coast so yeah i mean okay. anyway so yeah it was quite a liberal place to be which yeah i mean all ivy leagues are pretty much every education most educational institutions in the us are and um, having said that i feel like there's a lot of talk about how professors and faculty and academics brainwash people into marxist ideology at least at my institution where i studied that wasn't the case academics take their job very seriously they're very empirical uh, evidence driven and i think it's a bit much to say that these places are incubators of like communism and shit like that having said that the students do flirt with <laughs> revolutionary ideas to say yeah. the least yeah and i feel like that's something that the hyper politicization of college campuses especially in today's world where you're not allowed to change an opinion you can't go just come out and say look i was wrong about something the other side or the other political viewpoint or just someone else's opinion was correct that's 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 not allowed 
So what's going to happen is people have a nascent political ideology and are forced to double down because of ridiculous social pressure, which is not good. Yeah. Which is simply... not at all healthy. Yeah. Not at all healthy, and it doesn't allow room for growth. Uh, yeah. I want to like talk about a small incident which I got reminded of when you said that opinions cannot be changed. Is uh, I have to admit, I was when I was in undergrad, so I was like 17 years old when I started undergrad. I didn't. I like. I mean, I'm from a city in India, but I was not very socially informed or progressive. Like, I didn't have any exposure. I have a very protective childhood. So I didn't know what like homosexuality is very much. I didn't know about it. I just thought guys like guys. It's it's bizarre, but whatever. And uh, we have it. a mutual. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm openly admitting it on air, but I, I there's there's a purpose behind this story. So I was doing my bachelor's thesis project in a lab where I was like super chummy with everybody in the lab, and we used to have late night conversations about all topics under the sun. And I was like the youngest person in that lab. I was 18, 19 when I joined that lab. And so all these old PhD students who were depressed and bored with their projects found a scapegoat to have random conversations with. And so one day I was like saying, "Oh my God, being gay is kind of gross. Can you imagine how disgusting it is?" So I, I just said this out loud without even thinking that it would be so offensive. It is offensive, and I regret saying that. But I was so young, and I didn't know. Like I didn't know enough about this topic at all. You so were just lucky you weren't on Twitter then. Can you imagine some seventeen-year-old saying shit on Twitter or TikTok like that Harvard girl who said uh, exactly, exactly that she'll punch, she'll, she'll punch, stab people. Uh, I mean, it's stupid. What she said was completely yeah, yeah. stupid, but that's the thing. I mean, we grew she up said in stupid shit. A lot. Said stupid shit. I'm glad nobody recorded me saying that. Although this podcast is evidence that I did say that. But okay, let me complete the story because yeah, it sorry. has a happy ending. I swear. And so at that time, I had a gay friend. I still have uh, him as my best friend. But yeah, so I had a gay friend, and I had no problems with him. Like I loved him so much. I always loved him. It doesn't change anything. But I was just disgusted with gay sex because I, I was like asking the PhD student in that lab. Um, Uh, sorry if this grosses you. I was like, it's pretty gross that you know somebody would put their dick into a place where poop comes out. And that guy just started laughing on my face. Okay, and I was like, I know it's gross, Wait, but you I do know that. heterosexual intercourse. I know. I didn't know that then. See, that's what that's the point. I didn't know about anal sex. Like, I just thought gay people were the only people who did it. Like, I didn't know about. Yeah, I didn't know. So, like I said, I was very naive. So I said this, and he also saw my question as being naive and you know innocent. So he thought, okay, let me just explain this to her. I mean, he didn't explain anything dirty. He just told me like, if if a guy can put his his junk into some place where you know pee also comes out, why can't he put it into some place where poop comes out? So I was like, hmm. I never thought about it like that. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, both of it is gross. So like that was eye opening for me. That conversation is so offensive when I think of it now. But it totally changed my views about gay sex. Like I found it weird, but I was just like, okay, that's just another thing. That's just another thing people do. And imagine like that sort of conversation cannot exist today. And if it existed, there will be no room for me growing. Like that eighteen-year-old transported to twenty twenty will just be cancelled. She won't. She won't grow out of her juvenile thoughts at all. I would say that kind of conversation cannot exist today. I'm sure seventeen, eighteen-year-olds are still having those type of idiotic conversations, but they're having it much more publicly, and those conversations can be held against them at a later point in their lives. 
that is wrong that is hugely an issue but that's what that will stop them from having these conversations in public right probably, or not probably. even public but even in like among their friends I, or among i don't, I don't teenager show give them yeah your audio got your audio got cracking hello again yeah hi so we're back from our technical difficulty part 2 and <laughs> this is like covid first wave and then covid 19 second wave unless you're in america in which case it's just one single wave it's like a fucking yeah. tsunami anyway so we were just talking about how whether or not teenagers have the discretion to not have idiotic conversations and you think that they'll be more careful whereas i think that stupid shit is still going on it's just more public and well anyway we sort of agree on the morality of not holding people's opinions against them forever and allowing uh, like room for growth yeah allowing room for growth absolutely because let's be honest we've all said and done really dumb stuff and we will continue to i'm sure there's things we've said in this podcast and we're going to regret say 10 years from now i'm pretty sure in 5 minutes i'm going to re- regret recording <laughs> this podcast with you and i'm going to be like on the verge of committing suicide because i'm like oh shit i might get fired tomorrow so mm. yeah so that's my daily dose of anxiety but, but that, yeah. that's our that's our skin in the game here i mean anyway yeah i mean so, we like to live on the edge so let's do this we do live in the two coast so that's true too so anyway so we let's just piggyback on more famous people since no one knows us and no one actually is going to know us due to the anonymous nature <laughs> of this recording uh do you want to talk about your influences and the people you like listening to or reading and stuff of that sort yeah sure so um i don't know much about indian politics or yeah i, I didn't listen to podcasts and watch shows about current affairs in india but in the us uh, over the last few years um what happened was that when trump election was uh, going on like all the debates and stuff was going on Mm-hmm. I was pretty much a Hillary supporter. I didn't really like Trump, but I'm I'm ashamed to admit this, but I came across Ben Shapiro, and so I started getting red pilled by him on economics quite a bit. And I also started dating my now husband, who's a business owner, and he doesn't know of Ben Shapiro. Like he doesn't even give a shit about. I politics. always thought that's where you got it from. No, he doesn't know who Ben Shapiro is. He hates him. Like he's like he's such an annoying voice. Don't make me listen he, to this crap he, again. He does have a terrible fucking voice. On the other hand, his sister is a beautiful singer. You should check her out. But okay. maybe I, I know too much about his family. You uh, do, but totally. anyway, yeah, yeah. So anyway, did you I, know his cousin? He's like the cousin of the oh, Matilda. Oh my god, the girl. Oh my god, that's my favorite childhood movie. This is such a small world. Ben Shapiro should be my best friend. But anyway, um, coming back to the topic, um, yeah. So I started watching those videos, get a, getting a little red pilled on economics. I am kind of ashamed to admit that I bought in Bernie's policies in 2015-16. I still think on some things I am I'm, I'm with him, but yeah, basically I didn't know any economics back then, so I didn't understand how economics works. And yeah, dating a guy who Fine. academia owner, academia doesn't pay anyway. You're not expected to know economics. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, I, I never thought about money much actually. Uh, so. So yeah, dating a business guy helped me understand wh- why profits matter. You know, some small stuff like that, which made me think more deeply about how 
if for a small startup you need to think of these many strategies to keep your profits up for a big company you know with employing thousands of people what all do you need to do so it's not very simple as you know putting a high tax on some rich guy and funding everything under the sun so yeah that was my political uh, sorry I, i'm like way off topic but yeah i i started getting red pilled and so i started watching videos by all these right wing guys you can name every single right winger like the truly not hitlerist types eventually <laughs> i mean there are those people also no i i did those did get recommended to me by youtube but i was just like okay this shit is too far i need to get out of this mess right now and stefan molinu is like freeze your oh eggs god <laughs> You are in your fertile years. You better freeze your eggs, Jesus or you're never gonna get Christ. pregnant again. I was like, okay, this shit's gone too far. I need to step back right now. So anyway, yeah. So Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson. There was there was a time when I emailed Jordan Peterson a really long letter about um, how much I worship individualism, which I still sort of do. But I was quite naive. And you had a really huge Ayn Rand phase as well. I remember. Yeah, I think that also overlapped with my Ben Shapiro phase. Okay. Um, yeah, so I read the Fountainhead again, and I yeah, I think my love for individualism got rekindled with that. But yeah, I wrote a long ass letter to Jordan Peterson. I had his poster in my apartment, like just motivating myself to worship the individual. This was in the middle of my PhD when I didn't have much professional success, and I needed that. motivation to make me achieve what i wanted to achieve and i did so i think if hit upon something interesting over here hmm. is that people are susceptible to political radicalization one way or the other when they're going through a downturn in their life definitely definitely i mean it was true in my case it's probably true in everybody's life i mean there's a reason why these activists are so hot blooded and passionate about their cause it it's not it can't be just like a robotic thing that they do yeah everything. it's 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 like a new religion i mean it's again it's like a re- refusal of individualism and they've sort of abdicated their aspirations their ambitions to a larger movement and they see themselves as like the patron saints and the crusaders of that movement and not yeah, as yeah it's a religion only dude it's a religion it's a religion sure. it's a religion and even right wing right wing politics is also I mean, right wingers have their own i mean right wingers are literally religious yeah they are literally religious but their politics is also like a side religion which is tied to their main religion inextricably which is why i'm unable to connect with them so yeah like yeah. once i went through my jordan peterson phase and i started listening to more of his lectures and i realized some of his views on women in the workplace was a bit weird to say the least i was just like okay i mean i learned whatever i mean I, if i wanted to get some good piece of wisdom from him i already got it i don't think i need to listen to this guy anymore i just need to like yeah i mean i don't need to hate on him or anything but yeah i'm done with this and so like i realized that all these people have their own religious elements in their personalities and their ideologies which they are trying to steer people towards and i was not willing to go in their direction of ultra religion of being pro life being pro guns or whatever like being super regressive towards lgbt people these were not these were not things that i was willing to do to so join their so called movement if i may manter up to you sure what you basically did was you went to a political buffet and you picked sort of positions based on what you liked 
exactly whatever made sense to me and my yeah. morality while also like aligning with reality wow yeah. i do love this dialogue yeah. right yeah and, exactly and that's how we want the world to be we want people to be exposed to every ideology out there obviously not something that's completely grotesque like you know like ideological it's it's so toxic to talk to them in real life i'm always walking on eggshells worried that i'll say the wrong thing that is if they really consider themselves to be in a moral high ground and this is the vibes that they're giving off to people around them then i won't say they really have the moral high ground they mm-hmm. are they are despicable true true yeah so anyway um, sorry uh, i really went off on a tangent but hopefully it was useful that's that's why we're podcasting <laughs> okay fair enough right. so, so yeah so okay. no just to get back to your question which is who are some thinkers i like eventually mm-hmm. i i moved back towards the left again like mostly like got repelled by the right and i'm now firmly in the center because i can never go into the left side either so i think some of the people i really look up to are dr jonathan hyde at mm-hmm. nyu he's a really cool guy and a really compassionate thinker dr nicholas christakis at yale mm-hmm. he is also a biologist and he's his tweet threads on corona virus have also been amazing he's such a cool guy i like him too and uh, i like dr glen lowry i like him a lot because he rambles and rants his thoughts out and it's amazing to just watch his mind work as he rants and he's just one of these more brilliant thinkers he he'll get a nobel prize soon for his work in economics i think uh, i just love him a lot he's super smart and he's he's amazing i mean i feel like a lot of people could use some inspiration by listening to his lectures and listening to his passionate rants about how much he wants to uplift minorities specifically specifically black black people because he is a black professor mm-hmm. um so yeah so those are the three people i would say i really like nice that's awesome what about you sure. i went on for so long <laughs> that's fine so um my own i mean um my biggest political influence was probably bernie sanders and it's weird this is while i was still back in india but there was some just something about a man with integrity that really appealed to me and i still believe that i i don't agree with a he's lot of his position he's the only yeah, he's the only politician with integrity that i know ever in yeah. the whole universe precisely precisely and that's something that really really appealed to me and this another and something else that i was really inspired by was he was his first presidential campaign was when he was 71 or no hold on he was 75 sorry yeah he mm. was 75 really really old and there was this one particular video of him talking to an empty senate about a really important issue it may have been about uh, the uh, homosexual soldiers don't ask mm. don't tell just back in the 90s and there was literally nobody else but there he was talking about something he believed was right and he believed was worth fighting for and he flew completely under the radar for 
a majority of his life but he did what he thought was right and which what i also believe to be right mm. and at age 75 was when he really came into the limelight and i feel like outside of politics this alone is an inspirational story where you do the right thing and at some point you will be rewarded for it that's something i want to believe in i don't believe in religion or god or any other paranormal entities but i do believe that doing the right thing has its rewards and even if it does not you should still do it i mean bernie didn't become president but he still had his fair share of attention and he's created a movement and the aocs of the world will take his movement forward may not necessarily be in the direction that he intended to but whatever so yeah, i totally respect the man respect yeah. the man i don't agree with his policies but totally respect him I respect the hell out of him so he was my earliest influence and he sort of inspired me to take a plunge into uh actually working hands on in the social sector and that is where i sort of course corrected so i probably i used to really like this quote back in the day which said your politics should be where your heart is left of center and i was like oh yo that's so cool <laughs> but i course corrected after having actually experienced the social sector and seen what ngos and the government etc are like and i'm like yeah do i really want to trust these people with making the world right and like nah but really? are you planning to work in government in the near future that's the dream but maybe maybe i'll run for office or something of that sort fancy fancy don't forget yeah. me though yeah. we forget may have to time for the, the podcast to at the altar of my electoral ambitions yeah sounds good okay so yeah so that's where i mean there was a brief moment where i was like call of this and like was very libertarian but again i also like you i also sort of more through observation and experience got exposed to political ideologies and literally seeing how things work like i've i worked in like investment banking as well so it's the complete other end of the spectrum and these things i agree and disagree with both in the social sector as well as in the private sector and yada 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 but my own experiences have shaped my political thought and like you it's sort of a vector sum of left and right exactly yeah and, it, and it's somewhere in the center and i know both of us like to call ourselves centrist but i think we need to put this out that being centrist does not equal being indecisive i think we are very decisive about Yeah, we have a stance on pretty much any policy issue. It's just that it's not in the same direction every time. Precisely, precisely. I mean, we don't necessarily conform to. Oh, we are progressives, and therefore we have to agree with progressives on every. I think. I mean, what the fuck does legalization of marijuana have to do with free Palestine? Have to do with recognition of 127 genders? These are all very distinct issues, and you should be allowed to have like different opinions on all of them. totally sure yeah and most people do i think majority of americans do have different opinions on all of this and they just they also do the vector sum and this decide to vote for the least toxic person where most of their views are represented i think that's yes, how most people is, vote as well which is why kanye west is going to be president <laughs> that was okay. a joke though right please because i couldn't i couldn't handle that 
I mean, he'd be better than Trump, but I couldn't handle that, please. I mean, I can't see him being worse than Biden either. The guy isn't exactly all there. Alive. Yeah. Biden's barely alive. I like Biden though. I would I would have wanted him to win. And yeah. I still hope but he gains his sanity. If something happens to Biden, we have our very own Kamala Akka becoming president. So <laughs> Kamala Akka who won't like admit to her Indian identity. She's Oh no, she did. She, so at the tail end of her campaign, she was suddenly Yeah, as if making a dosa with Mindy Kaling towards the end of her campaign will convince anyone. It's so sad. You know, I have cousins in, in Los Angeles who love her because she has some Indian roots in her. And so it's so disappointing to me that she always campaigned and portrayed herself as only like a black American woman of color instead of... She could have, you know, talked about both. And she doesn't even need to talk about the Indian side of her history. Like, she doesn't have to harp about no, it. I mean, I, I don't blame her. her. I mean, what she did... Again... You, she was looking out for herself, and as fans of individualism, we should completely accept what she did. Black American, African Americans are obviously a larger segment of the population, and she was able to garner a lot more support and excitement. I mean, she had a whole fucking what's it called, K hive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine some Indian dork sitting in like Silicon Valley being that excited? No. Fair enough. We are, we are pretty lame. I agree with that. It's just that I would have not minded a shout out, especially because her mom, who's the Indian parent amongst her parents, is like super inspiring. Like, I, I don't know. I guess she has talked about her mom, though. Her mom moved to the US and did a PhD in the Bay Area when it was like maybe 30, 40 years ago when women were not even allowed to work as much in India. I don't know how her mom managed to travel across halfway across the world and do a PhD. So that's like a story that's pretty much unheard of. But I've never heard her say the story on any of the debates. Um, but yeah, but I, I generally find that part of her life or her upbringing inspiring. It's just sad that her campaign never talked about it. But it's okay. Like, it's not like I'm, I, I won't say it's a thing I hate her for, but I wouldn't have minded it. I agree with you. She did the politically correct, like strategically correct decision to identify as black. Yeah. And I mean, she's not totally disowned her Indian identity or anything of the sort. So it's fine. Yeah, she did make those. She's not Bobby Jindal. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Who goes about in the world, he's tan. Stupid motherfucker. (laughs) How do you feel about Nikki Haley becoming president someday? Would you feel into that she's... She seems quite sensible. I mean, I don't care about her being DC, etc. She just seems sensible. Look, the yeah. only thing I care about uh, an American politician's politics vis-a-vis dc etc. is are they like pro-India or pro-Pakistan? That's all I give a fuck about. Fair enough. That's fair enough. I agree. It is. It is crucial. Um, yeah, I also care about if they are pro-immigrant or anti-immigrant. But yeah, I like Nikki Haley in general. I mean, I don't agree with her on a lot of policies, but unfortunately, compared to Trump, any Republican candidate seems just better than Trump, like to replace him from the Republican side. So, yeah. We might as well give a shout out to the pseudo-Indian American Tulsi. Oh yeah, how did we forget her? Damn it. She's even a Hindu and everything. Yep. The first Hindu-American 
Oh man, I know we should have bled bled our eyes out, you know, campaigning for her and promoting her, but it didn't happen. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I like check out her Instagram stories every now and then. Yeah, that's because you wanted to drool. You wanted to drool looking at her fitness posts. So I I won't say your intentions are very pure. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I like Tulsi too. I mean, again, I don't agree with all her policies, but I like her as a person. I saw her on a podcast episode with Jocko Willink, who I really love. Uh, but I hope it he doesn't turn out to be another Jordan Peterson types. But uh, yeah, so they had an awesome episode talking about how they both were combat veterans, how war decisions are made, and you know foreign policy decisions, U.S. and other countries, and this, and both of them come from the opposite sides of political spectrum. So it was a super interesting Wait, conversation. Wait, Oko Willink is a Navy SEAL. Oh, okay. So you, he's a right. I I'm sorry. I I somehow couldn't see. Tulsi Gabbard is being a leftist. She's always on Fox News and stuff, and I thought they were of the same. Anyway, she's anti anti war. She's, she's anti war, right? She's she's not. She's tough too. I mean, she's a veteran as well. So yeah. Yeah, she's a veteran too, but she was anti war, and he was like, I, I won't say he's pro war, but he's not anti war or anything. So yeah, they talked about stuff. It's a super interesting conversation. I I do like Tulsi too. We've yacked on for quite a while, and uh, let's. Yeah. You want to end this podcast by talking about who your favorite political candidate, uh, presidential candidate was? Was or is? Was. The field's too narrow now to talk about the is is. Ah, I liked. I mean, I would have been happy if Hillary had one man. I don't have any issues with her. Um, I like Justin Amash. He's standing as a Libertarian Party. Candidate. No, he dropped out. He dropped out. He dropped out. Okay, screw yeah. it. Then, then I don't like anyone. Fuck it. Never mind. I really liked Andrew Yang a lot. I felt like he made the most. Oh shit! Sense. How did I forget that? Yeah, he's such a nice guy. He's like he's a guy you can talk to about things. Like, exactly, please. and he had like a very he thought things through, and he was actually addressing like issues of today. He was talking about I mean, automation and stuff of that sort instead of talking about issues we've been talking about for millennia. Like, yeah. And also, like, he had policy answers. He wasn't he had like answers, of course. I mean, he had policy answer, but yeah. It wasn't the right answer, but it was an answer. That's the ah! problem. Our standards are pretty low. Ah, I mean, why are you I, going all high pitch on me? I don't know if UBI is not the right answer. I I think it has its very very strong merits, and that's something we can. No, I meant later. no, I meant that no, I meant like his answer on other policy issues, like oh yeah, his answer, his answer to he everything. had answers, he had answers, and they're debatable, but at least he had answers. It's such a low bar, but yeah, other people yeah. on that debate stage were just virtue signaling, getting emotional. A lot of them, not all of them. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. He was one of the better ones on that debate stage. I also like. Um, damn it! Okay, I can't even remember her name, so clearly I don't care enough. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. Yes, Klobu. Yes, I liked Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Did you just like her staplers at people? And that's what, what? I want to do. Did you just like her because she threw staplers at people? <laughs> yeah, maybe when I start my own lab, that's the kind of leader I want to be. You know? <laughs> so I'm inspired by her. She's my feminist icon. But just kidding, guys. I won't be a monster of a boss. I promise. Please don't cancel me for this. But yeah, 
I think I think that's about it. I would have been. I I just wish I could go back in time and make Hillary president. I feel like all of this would be a non-issue. We wouldn't be talking. This podcast only wouldn't exist. Like things would be very normal. Nobody would care who the president was in life. Do you really think so? Do you really, I really think, think so? so? I really think so. That's why yeah. I I hope Biden will win because he's barely alive. So hold on. Barely alive. You won't even notice he's there. That's then, how a president should be. You are then of the opinion that Trump slash Trumpism is the cause and not the result. It's both. It can be both. It's a symptom as well as a cause of whatever is happening right now. This is this revved up outrage machine. So you're saying it's sort of like both. it's a symptom that amplifies the cause. Exactly. Like an exactly. I'm not saying he started it. Yeah, it's an autoimmune cytokine cytokine storm that wreaks havoc inside a body, like the COVID-19 virus does, and slowly, part by part, destroys every organ of the body. So. Yeah, I agree. It's an okay. autoimmune syndrome. So that's that's impressive for whatever undergraduate time you were awake in the classes. I'm very impressed with what you just came up with. I am proud too. All right. Yeah. Having now dropped some wisdom, I think we should call it a day. Sounds good. It was a really long sesh. I hope yeah. people aren't bored. I think the only person listening to this will be my husband. Most But likely. Anyway. If you are listening to this, I'm very sorry that it's so long. Hopefully, you didn't fall asleep. But yeah, hopefully, we can do this again and uh, we can talk about something super exciting next time. Totally, and, totally. Yeah, I think I think it's been fun. I'm excited for the next one too. Good, good. All right. So one last time, uh, we are at Cancel Gretel and Twitter on Twitter and Cancel and Gretel on Gmail dot com. We will be setting up. Uh, Patreon, etc. If more than if you get more followers than Jesus, we'll ask you to pay. Until then, this is- <laughs> and if we become Joe Rogan, we'll be offering Venmo reparations. Oh, totally, so, totally. So yes. two-way transaction. Yep. Yeah. So please do reach out to us. Share your comments, feedback. We'd like to talk. If you have any topic suggestions that we could talk about next time, or you think our perspective would be interesting on, please do feel free to share, and we'd appreciate to hear any feedback. So yeah, super excited for the next time we talk Gretel. I can't wait to see you next time on Cancel and Gretel. Signing off.